0: Trump's going to walk. He's going to walk. If, if things stand the way that they do right now, um, Donald Trump is not going to be convicted of a felony, at least not in Manhattan district court um, or, or state court in Manhattan. I apologize. New York state court in, in Manhattan. Yesterday, uh, Trump's indictment was unsealed. And uh, for the... Uh, Part of it is exactly what we thought it was going to be, with uh, all apologies to Dennis Green. It is what we thought it was going to be. 34 counts of possibly falsifying documents for this uh, alleged affair that Donald Trump had with Stormy Daniels paying her hush money. You you, you know the accusations. 34 counts. Trump pled not guilty to those, Um, but... What are, a lot of people were looking for was this second crime that was going to elevate these misdemeanors to a felony. And I think that there's a lot of evidence for 34 misdemeanors, which uh, falsifying documents um, to, to pay hush money um, to cover up a first crime, that's a misdemeanor. And the felony was going to be a second uh, was going to be falsifying documents to cover up a second crime. And and I thought at the beginning of all this that uh, maybe that meant that Trump and his legal team, Michael Cohen and and you know all the all stars, um, they falsify documents to cover up the first cover up. But that does not seem to be the case. And when you have not only um, the legal experts on cnn asking what the second crime was when you have um quote-unquote never trump or republicans saying that they don't see a second uh crime here when you have democrats asking where the second crime is uh, i think that bodes well for donald trump um in in this case uh, at least unless you know um Alvin Bragg, district attorney in Manhattan, he has a bombshell that he's holding for trial. Um, there's this Michael Cohen tape people are talking about possibly um, being a, quote-unquote, smoking gun for Bragg's case. But right now, it, it as it appears, there's plenty of evidence to uh, find Donald Trump guilty of a misdemeanor, um, but there's, it, the case for a felony— is flimsy and risky at best. Um, And, I mean, even if there was a second crime spelled out in this indictment, which there wasn't, um, convicting on a felony was going to be tough because not only did you have to prove that there were um, two crimes committed, but you have to prove that uh, there was a cover-up to those two crimes. So we'll see what happens. Thankfully, at least with this case, The next court hearing uh, is in December. And so hopefully, at least with 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 these charges, uh, we don't have to hear about it because I got to say, I've been getting bored. I've been getting bored with it Um, when it comes to Trump's legal uh, challenges. This is uh, essentially the bunny slope of Trump's legal troubles. Um, You still have, uh, he's still facing an investigation into his role in inciting or possibly inciting a riot on January 6th. There's the Mar-a-Lago classified documents investigation, which that one might be the one that cooks him, especially how there was uh, some news this week about um, how after he he received a subpoena in May, um, there's evidence that Donald Trump went through the documents that he was, Uh, subpoena to return, which I guess is uh, uh, classic uh, uh, tampering and interfering with an investigation. And then there's the Georgia election interference um, case, where about a week before this whole uh, Stormy Daniels story heated back up, a special grand jury in Georgia voted to indict Donald Trump. So he's going to walk on this, but uh, he still has, he still has A a pretty uh, lengthy legal series of legal battles in fronting of him. The Mar-a-Lago speech. I I gotta say, I was I was a little surprised. It seemed subdued. I thought that it was going to be a huge kind of campaign rally for Donald Trump. He seemed tired. He seemed low energy. Um, He seemed it seemed extemporaneous, and he was just kind of re uh, replaying as. Guy Gordon says his greatest hits of grievances. And uh, it seemed like he was kind of talking around, criticizing uh, Judge uh, Juan Roshan, I believe his name is. I'm sorry, Juan Mershon and Alvin Bragg. Uh, But he eventually got there. He eventually got to it. Um, But, uh, yeah, I thought this was going to be a raucous affair, and it really seemed like it was more about Donald Trump airing out his hurt feelings than it was about him kind of playing conquering hero, which has been his which has been his his strategy and his political persona since he came down those golden escalators, as people say. Uh, a lot of people are, are are saying, well, how can this be good for Donald Trump? Uh, yes, he he's fundraised a lot of money. And uh, he's going to fundraise more money off this fake mugshot uh, on a T-shirt. Side note, this fake mugshot of Donald Trump on his T-shirt, which he's selling for $36, but it's yours for free if you make a $47 contribution to his campaign, kind of like a perverse CB, uh, PBS uh, pledge drive. Um, he, he's selling these T-shirts uh, that has a fake mugshot. Uh, in New York, they don't release the mugshots, and, and we're not sure if he actually has. He probably did have a mugshot because he was arrested and in process. But he's releasing this fake mugshot on this T-shirt. And, and this could become one of those iconic mugshots like uh, the Frank Sinatra mugshot. Uh, historically, the sad, sad, sad thing is um, that it's fake. But... Anyway, so people are saying, well, how, how is he surging in the polls here? You know, people don't like victims. Trump is so good at playing victim. No, he's not good at playing victim. He's good at playing martyr hero. All right? People don't like a victim, even though they sympathize with it, but they love a conquering hero. So he plays victim, victim, victim. But look how I'm standing up to him. Look how I've I've overcome and I've conquered these people. So that that that's the bit. That's the bit. And really... It's very possible that uh, it seemed like the Republican Party was kind of splintering after Donald Trump's poor showing in the uh, 2022 midterm election and the the, the uh, surgence of, uh, of Ron DeSantis down in Florida. But now it seems like it's kind of um, at least temporarily reuniting the Republican Party. And it's going to be very interesting to see as we get into primary season how Donald Trump's primary opponents will use this. We know in the general um, the Democrats are going to jump on this, but it seems like all of Trump's um, former possible opponents uh, for the 2024 Republican nomination— have kind of rallied behind them. And that's probably smart politically. I've been talking about Ron DeSantis, um, who's just hoping for an extradition uh, attempt that he could block and play Rambo. Um, You know, how is Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley going to use this against Donald Trump without making it look like um, they're they're siding with the quote-unquote Democrat political machine that's... Um, that, that's attacking Donald Trump. It'll be very interesting to see how they navigate that nuance. And uh, before we move on topics here, it is worth noting yesterday that at um, the same time Donald Trump was being charged with 34 possible felonies, a court in is it California, a, a court in California of all places ordered Stormy Daniels to pay Donald Trump's legal team $120,000 in legal fees in connection with a failed defamation suit that she brought against Donald Trump on top of $500,000 she was already ordered to pay. So that $130,000 of hush money that Donald Trump paid Stormy Daniels, it, 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 it's a fact that he did pay her $130,000. What's in dispute was um, the intent behind it and the bookkeeping of it. But that $130,000 that Donald Trump paid to Stormy Daniels in 2016, he's gotten it back um, multiple times. Well, it looks like there's a lot of uh, fragile uh, anti-trans homophobe dudes who are going to be uh, changing their brand of, of, of discount pedestrian beer. Um, Bud Light has put out a special edition uh, pro-gay pro rainbow cans, and they have also teamed up with uh, Dylan Mulvaney, who is a trans influencer. Um, not, not necessarily as their spokesperson. I believe Dylan identifies as a she they i looked up her instagram to to check her pronouns um she she is one of a, a long line of influencers that uh bud light has teamed up with as most companies do with social media influencers it's a lot less expensive than you know paying uh kathy ireland or cindy crawford back in the back in the 90s and fragile dudes are pissed Starting with Kid Rock, who I guess he posted a video on Monday of him shooting cans of Bud Light because he 's so pissed that they dare acknowledge the existence of alternate love lifestyles I, I mean aren 't these normally the the f your feelings crowd aren't the same dudes who are reposting this this Kid Rock video, the same dudes who repost these videos of of some some dude wearing sunglasses, um, sitting in the front seat of his pickup truck, talking about how everybody's gotten too sensitive nowadays. I don't care about your feelings. F your feelings. And then all of a sudden, I will never drink Bud Light again because they put a rainbow on their can, and they use one of them, their transsexuals, to promote their product on Instagram. What I say to these dudes is grow a pair, all right? I, I mean, we might be onto something. Maybe what we should do is we should put a rainbow on every single packaging of food so that the homophobes will, have, will be forced off the grid or they'll be forced to uh, you know, buy food from, from an enterprising uh, uh, entrepreneur like Mike Lindell who, who will, uh, who will uh, come up with like Patriot beer and charge them $9 a can to really stick it to the libs. Because I'm not sending my money to somebody who, who, who supports anything other than straight white males. So And I, I, I look, uh, Bud Light, obviously this is a, a gamble for them. Because if you've watched beer commercials um, over the years, um, a lot of it is questioning people's manhood. If they don't like a certain type of beer or making them appear less attractive to other women in humorous ways, if they don't like a, a type of beer. But uh, yeah, I mean, for <laughs> for the I don't care about your feelings crowd, some people are really getting oversensitive. Uh, some good news in the city of Detroit. For a couple weeks, pardon me, I get a little burpy a couple uh, minutes in to... Uh, the podcast, so I apologize. Uh, Good news in the city of Detroit. There has been this serial predator out on the streets. Terrible story we heard a couple of weekends ago about a man who let himself into an elderly couple's house. Um, An 80-year-old woman found him standing in the kitchen. He asked her for money. She said he didn't have any. He dragged her out of the house and sexually assaulted her while her... um, uh, handicapped husband was inside, not able to do anything, um, and the the community and Detroit uh, police came together to look for this guy. Um, Monday, he sexually assaulted another 64 year old woman at a at a bus stop. This was all on Detroit's west side, and they caught him. They caught him in Rouge Park uh, Tuesday. Thank God and. Uh, Of course, on top of the great news of getting this serial predator off the street, I thought this was interesting because for a long time, it seemed like the community and Detroit police were at odds when it came to um, law enforcement. Um, I, I remember in the past, James Craig voicing frustration um, Mike Shaw from the Michigan State Police voicing frustration, especially after uh, th- this rash of freeway shootings that we had not too long ago. And they were both very frustrated because they were not getting any tips or help from from the, the community or the neighborhoods or, 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 or the public at large in the city of Detroit trying to track these people down. Well, I think that sexually assaulting an eight-year-old woman is it, it, kind of the last straw because you had groups like New Era Detroit, Detroit 300, activists like Malik Shabazz working together with the Detroit Police Department to find this guy. And they they came together, they hosted rallies, and I hope this is a new trend because um, I've always admired Detroit 300 and, and New Era Detroit. I'm a big fan of James White. I feel like um, he has done a lot to gain the trust of the community. Um, I, I think that he comes across as 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 tough but compassionate. He puts a lot of um, emphasis on mental health on top of just law enforcement. And so, so, so kudos to to both the Detroit Police Department and uh, these community groups. This one was personal. And I, I think when you have when you have groups like this and the Detroit Police Department working together instead of against each other, I think they can accomplish great things, and the city will the city and the citizens and public safety at large is only going to benefit. In the suburbs, this uh, battle has been brewing for a very long time. I don't know if you saw this, but, um, the Wyandot School District. Um, I don't know exactly when it went up, but uh, this this thing started heating up about a month or two ago. The Wyandot uh, School District uh, allowed T-Mobile to jo- uh, to install a five G cell tower on top of Washington Elementary School um, for the paltry sum of one thousand dollars a month that fi- that uh, that T-Mobile would be. Um, paying the Wyandotte School District. And uh, parents are understandably concerned, to say the least, but uh, in all reality, they're P.O.'d. They're P.O.'d because, number one, they don't know what kind of radiation or health effects um, are emitting off of this 5G tower while their children um, are in school underneath. Number two, it's dangerous. I've, I've driven by this thing because I live in the downriver community. Uh, I know exactly where the school is. I've driven by it. That cell tower is right there on top of the school. On top of that, there's all this, this high-voltage, dangerous equipment literally right there on the playground. And there's all these signs that say, you know, high-voltage, keep out. And the only thing that's keeping kids away from that is is a fence. A fence that's very easy to climb. And you know kids with their dares and them feeling invincible and their curiosity. You know, I don't know if there's there's any proof about 5G radiation or cell phone radiation leading to health problems and cancer. If that's if that's the case then, you know, we're all in trouble because cell phones are ubiquitous and obviously those those whatever they are, those those cell phone rays, those cell phone beams, whatever the scientific word for it is, they're powerful because we get good cell reception just about everywhere. To me, the, the main concern is that you have you have this 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 high voltage equipment right here, right there on a playground where kids are sliding on the slide and swinging from the swings um, just you know feet away. And I just remember the stuff that my friends and I used to get into when we were kids, if there's a keep out sign, that's a challenge. That's not a warning, that's a challenge. And for the school to do this unilaterally, only making $1,000 a month um, from, from fi- um, I keep calling it 5G, from T-Mobile paying them to, uh, to, to rent that space, I mean that's less than most people. That's less than most people pay for rent. Do better.